0: Today on the pod, we're going to start a company called This Too Shall Pasta, and we're going to talk about how there are two types of Netflix watchers, but only one has a chance to be a great entrepreneur. This is going to be a mini episode. I'm going to do my best to keep to two huge points I want to make, and then I'm going to let you get on with your day. Last week's episode got a bunch of great responses. It was our most listened to episode in a long time, and if you didn't, I'd recommend giving it a listen. The Problems and Opportunities framework is seriously powerful. Thank you to the people who sent through their opportunities lists and progress. It was actually really motivating seeing the stuff you all came up with, and it helped us set our opportunities for the next month at Tacklebox. If you're stubborn and you didn't listen to that episode and you don't want to go back and do it, you're in luck. We're going to go a level deeper today on Problems and Opportunities. And with that, let's get back to Netflix and pasta startups. Of course, after some sweet, sweet jazz. This is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, head over to GetTacklebox.com. We run accelerator programs for people trying to vet and build their startup ideas. And the next cohort, our 27th, starts March 31st. As I've mentioned, we're retiring the hands-on accelerator program model at the 30th cohort. So if you're interested in testing and building with us, you better shake a leg. And one more thing, we're launching the Idea to Startup book club. The book for the next two weeks is going to be Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win, by Jocko Willink and Leif Babbitt. There's a sign-up in the show notes along with the book link. We'll chat about the book and how to apply it tactically to your startup. We'll probably end up reading two books a month. Obviously, this is going to be pretty informal, but I think it'll be fun. Back to it. As I teased in the open, there are two types of Netflix watchers, but only one type makes a great entrepreneur. And the reason is vision. A few weekends back, I watched The Grand Budapest Hotel. The movie was great, but that doesn't matter. What does matter is how I found it. I've been thinking about how much I loved the movie, O oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And how I was in the mood to watch something like that. A goofy, extremely well-made adventure slash thriller. So I Googled movies like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which took me to a Reddit page where someone had asked that exact question and gotten a bunch of responses. The Grand Budapest Hotel was the most upvoted one, and so within 10 minutes of sitting down, my fiance and I were knee-deep in Wes Anderson's kooky goodness. That is one way to watch something on Netflix. The other way is to get to Netflix and stumble around. To watch a bunch of trailers, then move over to HBO Max, then find a movie on Hulu you like, and debate with your partner for 10 minutes about whether you should put in your credit card for the free trial or not. Last week, we talked about problems and opportunities, about how humans are programmed to be reactive and solve problems with low ceilings rather than proactively seeking out opportunities with unlimited upside about how the best way to structure your time to build a successful startup is to create and protect a few hours a week where you brainstorm and pursue opportunities with a low likelihood of success, but a massive payoff if they hit. I listened to that podcast back while walking around New York City this week, and two things hit me. First, I felt like a lunatic. It is truly weird to walk around listening to yourself talk. I have a friend who saw Jay-Z driving in Brooklyn one time, He had his windows down and was pumping one of his songs from The Blueprint. My friend said it was honestly one of the coolest things he'd ever seen in his life. I'd imagine listening to your own startup podcast is whatever the polar opposite to that Jay-Z moment was. Anyway, the second thing that hit me was there was a giant gap in the framework we laid out last week. Pursuing opportunities works great, but only if you have a clear vision. So many startups we work with do not have that, and I don't blame them. A vision for your startup, an unchangeable point in the distance you always steer the ship towards, is hard. It also feels like a lot of pressure. It feels like something you aren't ready for yet. And what happens if you're wrong? The most important part of a vision is that it exists and that you commit to it. And as weird as it sounds, it won't actually matter if that vision is right or wrong. Back to our Netflix example. I had a vision for my night. I wanted to watch something like, oh brother, where art thou? That one stake in the ground allowed me to create a plan. It allowed me to be proactive. It was easy to follow the path. And in 10 minutes, I was watching something I liked. When you don't have a vision, you need to be reactive. Every movie that pops up on the Netflix most recommended list, you need to have a conversation about, you need to ask your partner if they're in the mood for something scary or funny or which Hemsworth brother they'd like to watch. There's an enormous amount of work and there is no progress. There are no rules. There are no boundaries. Anything might be a good idea. Anything might be worth watching. There's a quote from the wonderful book, The Art of Doing Science and Engineering, where Richard Hamming says, quote, the main difference between those who go far and those who do not is some people have a vision and others do not and therefore can only react to current events as they happen. He goes on to confirm our other suspicions. Quote, from observation, I've seen the accuracy of the vision matters less than you might suppose. Getting anywhere is better than drifting. There are potentially many paths to greatness for you. Pick a vision, stick to that vision. Don't worry about whether that vision is perfect or not, but use it as an anchor to make the hundreds of other decisions that will become 10 times easier because the vision exists. Leverage that vision to actually get somewhere. Eventually, you might find you want to adjust your vision, and that's fine. You'll have made tangible progress by then and can make an informed decision. And remember our podcast on passion from a few weeks back. You don't start with passion about most things. As you get good at them, you get passionate. Whatever you start building towards will become more interesting and compelling as you get closer to it. The passion will come. And if you want a slightly less sciencey quote about vision, we can always go back to Yogi Berra. Quote, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. One more thing on vision, because I've seen this come up a lot. Your vision needs to be a version of how you see the world in a few years and you can't and shouldn't bullshit yourself about it. So if I'm building a green sneaker company and I see the majority of Americans buying a subscription to sneakers in a few years, meaning that they'd pay maybe 50 bucks a month, send in their sneakers when they're worn out and get a new pair whenever they'd like, then I can build for that. I can focus on how to recycle rubber or how to find materials that recycle easily and cheaply. I can figure out how to lower my shipping footprint and all the other things that go along with this. I have that clear vision of the future to build towards. I build for that moment down the road. What you shouldn't do is get bullied into a vision or adopt something just because it's popular right now. Not to go quote crazy, but there is a quote on this by Paul Graham that I love. Prestige is like a powerful magnet that warps even your beliefs about what you enjoy. It causes you to work on not what you like, but what you'd like to like. I've seen that happen countless times. You should not pick a vision in the future because currently that place offers prestige. I'm just tossing that out there in case you've been blindsided by NFTs and think that you too should probably be in that space. If you believe in it, great. If you don't, work on something you do believe in. Speaking of something I believe in, we have reached the portion of the podcast where we're going to talk about this two shall pasta, my made-up gluten-free pasta company. And if you're scoring at home, this two shall pasta narrowly beat out. You can call me al dente, knocking on heaven's doorzo, and yeast of burden for the fake name of my pasta company. Took me like four takes to get through that without laughing. Names are fake, but the vision for my fake pasta company is real. In the next five years, I do believe that a huge chunk of people are going to give up wheat. A nutritionist I know well told me recently that they believe something like 50% of the country is highly sensitive to gluten, and that number is increasing and may actually be way higher already. I do believe gluten-free pasta meant to swap in for regular pasta dishes like lasagna or penny vodka will continue to grow, but that's not where I want this two-shell pasta to live. I don't want to make gluten-free pasta that pretends it's regular pasta and has secondary messaging about also being kind of healthy. I want to make gluten-free pasta that replaces a salad and has primary messaging that is it is as healthy as a salad. Something with the nutrition profile of a vegetable. Maybe this is the right vision, maybe it isn't, but look how clear it makes my next layer of decisions. I need to figure out the best way to make gluten-free pasta that is tasty and as healthy as a vegetable. I've got direction rather than saying something like it'll be gluten-free pasta sold direct to consumers with a subscription model. That's the equivalent of saying, I want to watch a movie on Netflix tonight. Let's go see what's on. Now that we've got a clear vision for this two shell pasta, which I'm already regretting not calling, you can call me al dente. We can talk opportunities. What are the things we can do that would amplify our hours? This is an extremely cluttered space. How can we make asymmetric progress comparatively? And what are the questions we need to be asking ourselves in the first place? I've come up with three quick prompts that can get you started. One, how can we get in front of customers in a bold way that drives home our vision and differentiation? My quick idea, we could do in-person brand activation outside of sweet green. a fake taste test where we try and get people to see if they're eating a sweet green salad or pasta. Of course, it's gonna be completely obvious which one you have, one's gonna be pasta, but that'd be the joke and we'd be putting ourselves squarely in the salad category. We've talked about categorization and how important it is. We want people to see our gluten-free pasta as salad. Two, what are our competitors doing to acquire customers now? I took a look at a lot of the leading gluten-free pastas and what they're doing is all kind of the same. Lots of recipes and pictures on Instagram, lots of Instagram advertising, lots of placement in places like Whole Foods. So the question becomes, how can we do the exact opposite of that and make sure we never do any of that? My idea was we could hire five interns from NYU's film and culinary schools and have them put together TikTok videos getting as creative as possible with our pasta. Ideally, we get their professors to give them class credit. It's a different channel, it's a different demographic, maybe it'll bring us a different customer. Third, what's a business model no one else is pursuing that we can test out? There are definitely some gluten-free pastas selling direct to consumer, and there are a ton of gluten-free pastas selling through places like Whole Foods. So we could be different by partnering with startups to offer packaged rates they can offer their employees as perks. Healthy dinners delivered for when their employees are on Zoom past 6 p.m. That would give us bulk orders, that would give us big commitments, could be an interesting path to pursue. All of these opportunities are fine. There's nothing too great in there. Opportunities are hard and they're supposed to be. Remember, they're always going to come with two key characteristics. First, all opportunities are going to lead to asymmetric value. The likelihood they pan out may be low, but if they do pan out, they're going to deliver 10x or 100x the customers or whatever metric you're after that a regular hour of your time would. And two, they're strategic. These should be hard to come up with. It should be a process. We talked last week about middle manager tasks versus CEO tasks. These are CEO tasks. This is why they pay you the theoretical big bucks at some point in the future for identifying and pursuing ideas that will make an actual difference. Sometimes when you pull out these opportunities, they might look like distractions. They might look like other growth channels or business models that would take away from what you're doing now. They may look like they would take a huge amount of effort to pursue. I'd stick with a rule of thumb when deciding if these are opportunities or distractions. One, do they reinforce the brand? Two, if they work, will they make a big chunk of the middle manager tasks you're currently working on obsolete? And three, will they deliver 100 X the value of the other tasks on your to-do list? I saw a quote I loved the other day, put your best employees on your biggest opportunities, not your biggest problems. Right now, you are your best employee. And the two things you need to nail down are the vision you're pursuing and the opportunities you can take swings on that'll help you make that asymmetric progress towards that vision. These can be tricky. If you want another set of eyes on your opportunity list, shoot it over to team at gettacklebox.com. And if you need someone to help with pasta restaurant name puns, yeah, you better use my personal email for that one, brian at gettacklebox.com. Have a great week. This is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full time job, head to gettacklebox.com and we'll get you all sorted out. And if you like the podcast, share it, tell a friend or two, and leave us a five star rating and a nice review.